Welcome back to the Venari podcast, the first of 2022. Uh, and this week we're joined by Suzanne Frick. Uh, Suzanne is the Senior Vice President of Human Resources for Willenius Wilhelmsen. Um, they are a roll-on, roll-off shipping and vehicle logistics company and a market leader as well. Uh, Suzanne, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me this morning. No, 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 thank you for being part of this topic. And it's a, it's a very pertinent one as well, because we're discussing the great resignation, uh, what it is, uh, the knock-on effects we're experiencing globally, and also what businesses can do to really overcome this as well. So Suzanne, you know, we've seen the articles and some of the stats related to this. I think one was saying 33 million Americans have quit their jobs since the spring of 2021. In your opinion, you know, what are the initial triggers that have really caused this mass exodus to occur? Yeah, I, I, it's true. And, I, and just to cover it, I mean, whether it's been referenced as the great resignation or the great reshuffle, um, you know, they're both referring to the same thing and then the same same issue. And what we're seeing is nearly every industry or job type have had this rapidly evolving expectation from the worker about the role work plays in their lives. And historically, people professionals would have spoken about work-life balance. But that phrase no really longer captures what people and employees are expecting from the employer. What we do know is that while employers are trying to rethink culture, rethink values, employees are really seeking flexibility and care and trying to fit work better into their life. And what they're doing is they're demonstrating this willingness to look for new opportunities if their needs are not satisfied at their, their current employer. Within the, the 30 comp countries that we operate in, we're seeing this impact vary. Um, so if you look at a country like Belgium or South Africa or Panama, where low employment rates are, or have been there for quite some time, these employees already had that type of alternative employment opportunity where they can find companies that they can align to that meet their personal needs and flexibility. Then you look at the UK and US and Australia, where over the past two years, this, this pace of change has just been staggering. Countries are experiencing you know, the highest quit rate in a decade. Um, and so what the impact is, is businesses have really been struggling to you know, retain and recruit the staff. And so when you look at the number of vacancies that are open, it's, you know, there's only six workers for every 10 jobs. And that's the highest on record. And it's really just pushing the market rates upwards. The power and the talent market is there in their laps more than ever before. And they're exercising it. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I was going to ask, obviously, being within the shipping and logistics industry um, yourself, you know, what effects are, are you experiencing personally and also the wider industry? You know, I think what's interesting about our industry is it has the same component makeup as the global workforce, right? So the global workforce is made up of upwards of 80% frontline workers. And if you look at the U.S., that's nearly two-thirds of the total workforce. So this is not a small population of people that we are talking about. And the workforce exists in nearly every industry that all of us are, are consumers of. And so when you look at the shipping and logistics industry from the frontline worker perspective, where frontline workers are synonymous with hourly work, 
where the terms of the work are not necessarily set by the employee, they are set by the employer. Um, there's this expectation to, you know, you've got to commute to your warehouse or terminal or port. There are set shifts, um, you know, and it's mostly been a, a punitive system, if you will, because it was a lot about policies and rules. And again, not having that, that flexibility over that type of job. And for the last 50 years that it was an accepted agreement between the employee and employer that that's the way it's worked. And what you can see from the news, from whether it's, you know, port congestion for various reasons due to um, COVID and, and numerous other reasons. But the, when it comes to us, what's happening is we are now competing, like I said, in markets like Australia, US and UK, for the very same number of people that Amazon or any of the other force workforces that need these frontline workers. So it's become much more competitive. And it's the same thing where the employer could run it this way when there were more applicants than jobs, but there, that is no longer the case. So we're in this situation with whether whatever's causing it, right? Immigration policies, retirement, compensation and benefits, the industry is competing more than ever before for the same talent, but for a reduced number of available talent. So there's a ton of upward pressure on, on, you know, HR and companies to try to figure out how do we get through this. Certainly, you mentioned port congestion, which has a knock-on effect to consumers. You know, personally working in the aviation, the rail industries, you know, we've seen widespread cancellations of service due to a lack of staff. Uh, which kind of brings me on to my next question. You know, what do you think can be done by businesses to overcome these pressures and stop? individuals considering other opportunities elsewhere you know if, if you look for us and for many businesses right we already stated that it's 80 percent plus or frontline and then you still also have your your knowledge worker segment and so regardless of which component of your workforce we're talking about we get that compensation and benefits are always going to be part of that equation right but it's not a panacea it's not going to fix everything that we've just discussed companies really need to begin focusing on being a human-centered culture, really having that two-way communication with employees, both from a human-to-human -human perspective, as well as through technology, and then also creating this sense of belonging. And you can take it where there are, you know, companies who, who like Amazon, for instance, who can, who can pay an extraordinarily high hourly weight but then you're also subjected to, you know, this, this culture that goes on at, at Amazon. So, you know, there's got to be more to it than just the dollar. And, and this is the way that companies are going to wind up getting through this. So if knowledge workers, it almost becomes the easier part to fix because you can do flexible schedules. You can come up with hybrid working environments. You know, it's got to be part of the value proposition and the employee experience. You've got countries like UK trialing four-day work week. So there's this whole set of um, solutions that we could try to put in place for knowledge workers. And then when you get to the frontline workers, you know, I think companies are now only beginning to realize that every industry that has frontline workers, this is who your customers see first, it's who they're meeting first, they are the cultural flag carriers. 
And historically, they've been largely invisible to or, or, or uh, disconnected from senior executives. But that does not mean these workers are still not trying to come up with a, a meaningful connection to the organization that they're working for and that organization's higher purpose. So companies now need to begin to recognize the important role that frontline workers play in their business and that highly uh, skilled and highly paid do not always, you know, marry up. Technology can be a huge help here. Widely in our industry, things for frontline workers are still done on paper. You get your shift schedules on paper, um, all the policies on paper. So how do we set up something for them that helps them get the information more readily? And then secondly, what are the tools we can provide them to make sure that there's a two-way voice and a two-way exchange um, so that they can be, so they can hear and be heard from. So we're working with our corporate communications team to ensure that whether it's access to company Yammer or whether it's an ability for them to get to our intranet or having some of those same development and learning opportunities that we can connect with them on that front. And then lastly, as far as, um, you know, DEI, you know, and, and emphasis on the inclusion part where there needs to be a sense of belonging for people. People are, employees want a purpose-driven organization. They want a company that, that shares their, their values and they want an environment of um, psychological safety where, where their voices are heard, you know, and, and their viewpoints and, and opinions matter. I know that we've had multiple conversations regarding learning and development and the systems that businesses can implement to really retain staff moving forward. Um, so yeah, I couldn't agree more. And look, thank you very much for you know the points you've made. It's been great discussing this uh, topic with you. And uh, you know, thank you again for sharing your insights. Thank you. Appreciate that. It's a conversation that will not recede uh, anytime soon. So I think with the new generation entering the workforce, it's here to stay.